We read from Paul's letter to the Romans, the 16th chapter, verses 17 and 18. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Years ago, a young mother came to me on a Monday, and uh, she wanted to talk to me about something that happened in Sunday school for her little daughter. Her daughter, if I remember, was in preschool or kindergarten Sunday school class the Sunday before. And this mother had decided to sit in on her daughter's Sunday school class just to help kind of keep the peace in the room. And the teacher started out the class by saying something kind of like this. We're going to learn the Ten Commandments because you have to follow the Ten Commandments so you can go to heaven someday. And this mother was concerned that this was going to be confusing to her child. She knew that that beautiful passage that we probably put to memory, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. That getting to heaven isn't something we earn and do, but something Christ has done totally for us, and it's a gift given to us. And she didn't want her little girl to lose this and to, to miss out on this. So she asked me if I would be willing to go talk to her daughter's Sunday school teacher, which I did and brought passages to clarify that for her. She wanted to protect something for her little girl that would someday take her through the gates of heaven. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, that the gospel can do that for us. The Bible presents the teachings of what Jesus has done for us as a beautiful gift from God, a beautiful trophy, if you will, this, this wonderful, beautiful, precious thing that God wants us to possess and to have. He's given each one of us, by faith, the ultimate gift, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate thing we could ever have in this world, the gift to get out of our grave someday and to ultimately live with him in heaven. Through Christ, we have the full remission of any sin we've ever committed. Just think how comforting that is for you. Think, think of the stuff you've done in your life that, probably bugs your conscience and maybe makes you wonder if you'll ever get to go to heaven. Christ's blood paid for all of that. He, he purchased your heaven freely. And he gives you peace with God and he gives you the hope of going to heaven someday. So St. Paul rightly says that God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The trophy is already yours that you possess when your heart, when you hold on to Christ. And we don't want to lose that. That mother didn't want her daughter to lose that throughout her life. But nothing will frustrate the kingdom of the devil. Nothing frustrates Satan more than people who have this and who love that word of God, who possess this wonderful trophy. And so the devil has to come up with a way to try to get it away from you, get it away from me. And he thinks to himself, well, since these people love Christ so much and since they love his word so much, look at us here today, since they, they care so much about this, maybe what I need to do is infiltrate and try to get inside of the places where they listen to this and see if I can slightly change the message through time 
so that I can get them away from this wonderful truth. And you can see this throughout the history of the church. It's absolutely amazing all of the different challenges that there have been in false teachings to just, just who the person of Christ is, just who Jesus is, to try to mess that up, to make him something different than the Bible says. Or the ways that God brings his grace to us through his word, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper, to try to mess with how people think about those things and, and get them away from what the Bible would say to hopefully break that connection God has with his people here in the world. Or even, even challenging your generation today with moral issues, things that, that our culture just doesn't, doesn't want to listen to anymore. And to try to break you away from what the word of God would say so that you start to lead down a different path away from God's truth and ultimately away from the voice of your good shepherd. There's so many different ways that the devil inside of the church tries to work out, work out this plan of getting us away from God's word. And it's not just to our generation. Even back before the time of Christ, in the Old Testament era, there were people that would go to the prophets of God and try to talk them into changing the message God had given them to say. Imagine that, to try and influence them in such a way that they would provide a different message than the one God had given them. So they would not be faithful to that word. The second year I was a pastor, um, the church body I'm in, uh, asked me to serve on a youth board to work with teenagers. And along with another fellow pastor, I was sent to a conference in Indianapolis to help us learn some things about how to do this better. And while we were there, we met another pastor who was not from our church body, who was a Lutheran pastor. And when he found out that we were from the church body, we were in, he said, oh, I, I've always thought that I probably should be in your church body because, because I, I'm very biblical on things. I'm very tight to the Bible. He said, let's go have lunch. So we went and had lunch together. And we started a conversation. And I finally asked him, I said, do you believe the Bible is the word of God? And this was his answer. He said, yes, I believe the Bible contains the word of God. I said, now you put the word contains in there. What do you mean by that? He said, well, in the same way that the manger contained the Christ child, so the Bible contains the word of God. That sounds wonderful. But I said, yeah, but in the manger there was also hay and a blanket and cow spit and other stuff. So are you saying that not everything in the Bible is the word of God? He said, well, it's in there. We need to listen to it and read it. I said, okay, do you believe that God created the world in six 24-hour days, the way the book of Genesis says? And he said, well, I think that's kind of a mythological teaching. I said, do you believe that we actually had our first two parents, Adam and Eve, the way the, way the Bible says, the way Christ and St. Paul talk about them throughout Scripture? Well, again, I think those are kind of mythological stories. I said, it's interesting, you thought we were going to be so tight together with our teaching and we can't even get past the first two chapters of the Bible. And it made me realize how, how deceptive this can be, how deceptive this false teaching can creep into the church. Listen to what Martin Luther said. The ministers of Satan invade the minds of men by promising that they will bring something better. That's always the lure of false teaching. Whatever it is, it's going to be better than what you had before. 
The second generation of pastors right after the apostles, in that generation there was a man by the name of Ignatius and he said it this, this way in his day, beware of deadly poison mixed with honey and wine. Now ultimately all errors that come into the church, their goal is to steal away from you that wonderful trophy of how to get to heaven, to, to ultimately attack the doctrine of justification. To, to attack the way that you and I have peace with God through Christ alone. Just like the, the, the bite of a snake in your foot, the venom, the poisonous venom of that, its intent is to ultimately work through your bloodstream to the heart to kill you. So it is with any false teaching on any doctrine that the devil tries to bring inside of the church. I don't know if you guys saw this uh, this week, but Tom Brady, after winning the Super Bowl, uh, was seen in a boat parade down in Florida and tossing the Lombardi Super Bowl trophy from one boat to the next. And a lot of people were very upset that he treated it so casually and carelessly. His own daughter in the boat yelled to him, Dad, no, as he threw it from one boat to the next. We're kind of tempted in our lives to treat this wonderful, precious trophy we have from God a little bit carelessly and maybe not not take quite the care of it that, that we should. Notice how tightly St. Paul would have us watch out for how this trophy is treated in our lives. He says, Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. So God has established, if you will, a trophy case that fits around the trophy of the gospel. And it's what we call the teaching of fellowship. It means it has to do with, well, where should I go to worship? Whom sh whose feet should I sit at in order to learn and hear the word of God? And God wants you to closely guard and protect this wonderful gift he's given you. A true shepherd under Christ, a true preacher and pastor of the word of God, does not have his sheep, does not have his hearers pay allegiance to him or to a particular church body or to a particular institution or congregation. He always directs them to have their allegiance to Christ and his word and the teachings that are found there. We must never be so arrogant to think that false teaching could not creep into our generation or into our church body or my congregation. The best way to lose God's truth is to simply assume that you possess it and you don't need to learn it anymore. One of the reasons that this college was established was to make sure that the young souls in the congregations of the church body that own this would not lose this precious truth. But God, if you think about a trophy case, a trophy case is not just there to protect the trophies. It's, it's actually primarily there to show off how wonderful these trophies are. And so it is with this doctrine of fellowship. Part of the purpose of it is to display to the world how special the gospel is, how wonderful it is that we have Christ, how wonderful it is that, that our sins are forgiven, how wonderful it is that through his work we will go to heaven someday. And so in your life, in whatever way, protect this precious trophy God has given you and show it off to the world. Amen. Please rise for prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we most heartily thank you that you have caused us to come to the knowledge of your word. 
And now we pray that you would graciously keep us steadfast in this knowledge until we die, that we may obtain eternal life. Send us now and always pious pastors who faithfully preach your word without offense or false doctrine and grant them long life. Defend us from all false teachings and frustrate the counsels of all those who pervert your word, who come to us in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves, so that your true church may always be established among us and be defended and preserved from such false teachers. We pray this all through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace. Amen. <laughs>